Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the parables of Jesus. A terrific companion to this teaching is Kevin's best-selling book, Mystery Parables of the Kingdom, available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Let's read Matthew chapter 13, and uh, I want to pick up on verses 1 through to 8, and then verses 18 through to 23. As tonight we look at the first of the parables of the kingdom, So let's uh, just uh, remind ourselves of the scripture. The same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he had sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Then going down to verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. And he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, By and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Pray that the Lord will bless uh, the word to our hearts. Now, in the last uh, two weeks, and I just appreciate your prayers for me, I haven't been too well the last couple of days, uh, so just uh, appreciate your prayers as we share here. But in the last uh, two sessions, what was the first uh, session, the whole key thought and the key words in the first session? How many remember? Having ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So the whole key word in that first section is having ears to hear. Last week, what was the key word we looked at? The necessity of understanding when they don't understand uh, because they do not understand. All right, the key words that we want to look at tonight is seed and word. Seed and word as we look at this first parable. So I want you to pick up from uh, verse 18 a little bit just while we pick up. And notice I've marked it in my Bible. Note the emphasis on receiving the seed or the word. Okay, verse 19, we'll just pick it up, and the word, the word word is used at least six times, and the expression receive the seed used uh, almost the same. So let's pick that up, just for our key thought tonight. So verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, so the word, and verse 19, this is he which receives seed, so the word receiving seed. Verse 20, He that received the seed, the same as he that heareth the word. 
And verse um, 21, tribulation and persecution arises because of the word. Verse 22, he that receives seed is he that heareth the word. So receiving seed, hearing the word. Verse 22, choke the word becomes unfruitful. Then verse 23, he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word. So you'll see at least uh, six times the expression, the word, hearing the word of the kingdom, hearing the word, so hearing the word, verse 19, hearing the word, verse 20, uh, tribulation because of the word, verse 21, uh, verse 22, hearing the word, uh, choking the word, verse 23, uh, hearing the word and understanding it. And then the expression, receiving seed, is verse 19, this is he which received the seed, Verse 20, he that received the seed. And then uh, verse 22, he that received the seed. And then verse 23, he that, he that receiveth seed. Now I want you to turn over to um, uh, Mark chapter 4 for a moment here. I want to make a statement here that as we look at the first of the parables now, actually in this chapter we have uh, seven kingdom of heaven parables. Some uh, expositors say eight. Uh, but I think the last one is more of an instruction, as we'll see, to the disciples themselves, but at least uh, all the expositors do agree that there are seven kingdom of heaven parables in this chapter. Tonight we're going to be looking at the first parable, and I want to make a statement here as we turn to Mark chapter 4, that this first parable is actually the key to all parables. And what we're going to find is this, that if we don't understand the first parable, we're not going to understand the rest of the parables because this parable is actually a foundation parable. It's the beginning of the word of the kingdom and all the rest of the parables are built upon what we're looking at tonight. In fact, what we're going to find as we build upon the parables week by week, the first four parables are actually a progressive revelation and each of them increase from what is laid down in the first parable tonight. So, Listen to what uh, Mark chapter 4 says on this uh, when he picks up. So Matthew and Mark and Luke deal with several of the kingdom of heaven parables. John doesn't, but the first uh, three gospels, the synoptic gospels do. All right, Mark chapter 4, and I want you to listen to a verse that Jesus says here. Um, you'll notice from verses 1 through, to third, uh, 1 through to 12, he's given the parable of the sower. And then after saying, in, uh, we'll pick up at verse 10 again. And when he was alone, this is Mark 4 and verse 10, when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done uh, in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Now listen to verse 13. Jesus asked a question here, and he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? All right, don't you understand this parable? All right, and the second question is, How then will you know all parables? Listen, listen to how the uh, Amplified puts it here. So just read that, whatever translation you've got there. He said unto them, Know ye not, or don't you understand what this parable is about? Look, if you don't understand this first parable, how are you going to understand any of the other parables? Because this first parable is really the key to all the parables. 
do you not discern and understand this parable? So you notice where King James says, know you not this parable, Amplified says, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all the parables? And then he gives the interpretation of the parable. So first parable is uh, uh, interpreted by the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying here is the first parable is the key to understanding all parables. It is the foundation parable. Christ interprets the first parable, setting out basically all of its parts and interprets the parts for us. He, he interprets from part to whole and whole to part. Uh, one of the things that I have to disagree agreeably with is some of the expositors who make a point like this, they say that uh, when, we, when we interpret the parables, all we have to do is to look for the main lesson in the parable, but we're not to worry about the details of the parable. In other words, we can't make something out of all the details in the parable because that's only there to fill up the story or to make just to fill up the, par the parabolic illustration, but we mustn't make something out of all the parts. All right, hermeneutically, I would have to disagree agreeably because, uh, as we're going to see this week and next week, Jesus took all the parts of the parable and all the parts of the parable become parts of the story. And even though there is one major lesson that we'll pick up, all the parts of the parable are important, as we'll see, because Jesus works from part to whole and whole to part. How many, know, how many have ever put a jigsaw puzzle together? We know that there's a basic picture in the, in the jigsaw puzzle and that you don't come across certain parts of the puzzle and say, oh, I don't know where that part fits, throw it away. And oh, I don't know where that fits, throw it away. If you keep doing that, you'll end up with no puzzle. If you come across parts of the puzzle and you don't know where they fit, just put it on the shelf. And then bit by bit, as the puzzle starts to take its, uh, take its place and you start to see the picture, you say, oh yeah, this part fits here and this part fits here. You don't force the parts or you'll distort the picture. But all the parts of the puzzle are necessary for the whole. So in putting together a jigsaw puzzle, you work from part to whole and whole to part. Is that right? So that's what I'm saying about the, uh, the parts of the parable, as we'll see tonight and uh, again as we continue through the week. So those of you who've had any hermeneutics at all, you'll have to... Uh, disagree agreeably if you agree with me tonight, okay, that uh, those expositors say and hermeneuticians say, oh, don't worry about the details of the parable. You can't make something out of every part. That's just there to fill up the story. All you've got to do is find the main lesson. All right, I disagree agreeably, okay? So the first, in the first parable, there are key thoughts and words that are used throughout several of the following parables. Consistency demands the parts have the same interpretation and significance in each of the parables where such are used. Now, I want to give you a sort of an overview before we start into the details of the first parable here and uh, just an illustration here. Here we have uh, from the Tabernacle of Moses an illustration the, uh, of the golden lampstand. And what I want to do tonight, I want to give you an outline of the major lessons of each of the parables. So we'll do a major lesson tonight and we'll work through some of the details uh, week by week. Okay, now, let's just look at uh, the seven parables, first of all, in relation to the golden lampstand. Now, when God commanded Moses to make the golden lampstand, the first part we have here is referred to as the shaft. Okay, I want to break this up here gently. Here, so the shaft of the golden lampstand. And then, after we have the shaft, 
of the golden lampstand, he said there will be two branches of the same, another two branches of the same, and another two branches of the same. So there were two co-equal branches, two co-equal branches, two co-equal branches. In all, there were seven branches of all. The shaft as the central branch, and then uh, three sets of two branches. Now, when we come to the parables of the kingdom, I believe, and as we see the seven lamps here, and these seven lamps uh, shone light upon the golden lampstand, uh, illuminating its ornamentation and all the parts. And those of you who have been through the teaching of the Tabernacle of Moses, you remember the 66 parts, which we liken to the 66 books of the Bible, the 66 parts of the ornamentation of the the golden candlestick were illuminated by these seven lamps, uh, shining light, because the lamps were the give light over the candlestick over against itself, so illuminating itself. So seven lamps of the Spirit of God illuminating the 66 parts of the golden candlestick, the golden lampstand, uh, the Spirit of God illuminating all the parts of the Bible. That's what we're saying here. Now, I want to sort of use this illustration here uh, for a start here that we have seven kingdom of heaven parables And as we look at all the parts, they sort of show light upon themselves. And as we work from week to week and parable to parable here, you'll see how each of them are throwing light upon themselves. All right, the first parable which we're looking at tonight is I liken to the shaft. Okay, so the first parable, the parable of the sower and the seed. That's what we're looking at tonight. Receiving seed, receiving seed, seed is the word. So the parable of the sower is the shaft. All the rest of the parables, as all the rest of the branches, came out of the shaft. So the first parable is the shaft. Then you'll find the rest of the six parables are in three sets of twins, three sets of pairs. And let's put it this way, then I'll just break break up what I've got here. Parable 2 and parable 7 are the first two branches. So we have the shaft, parable 1, I'll give you a definition in a moment. Then parable 2 and parable 7 both teach the same lesson. I'll say the major lesson in a moment. Parable parable uh, let me see here. Yes, parable 4 and 5 present the same lesson. So another two branches out of the shaft, parable 4 and 5. And then the next two branches Parables 5 and 6 teach the same lesson. So though we have six other parables beside the parable of the sower, they are in three sets of twins, uh, three sets or three pairs, and these two teach the same lesson, these two teach the same lesson, and these two teach the same lesson. All right, let me give you the major lesson of each of the parables. All right, parable number one is the beginning of the kingdom or it is the word of the kingdom, okay? It's the word of the kingdom, the beginning of the kingdom. A sower went forth to sow the seed. Now, we'll, we'll repeat some of these things as we go uh, uh, on week by week. But in the first parable, people receive the seed. In the second parable, they become the seed. Okay, we're going to see a vital difference here. You cannot become the seed until you receive the seed. So the first parable is receiving the seed, receiving the seed, receiving the seed of the word. Okay, so parable number one, the key to all parables. If you don't understand or discern this parable, how are you going to understand any of the other parables? So that's the shaft. 
Parables 2 and 7, both of these parables, the main lesson is, listen to it, I'll, I'll say it and give you time to take it out. Parables 2 and 7 concern the wheat and the tares and the good and the bad fish and both those parables teach mixture in the kingdom and final separation at the second coming of the Lord. So mixture in the kingdom, wheat and tares, mixture in the kingdom. Good and bad fish in the net, mixture in the kingdom. And final separation in the kingdom. In the present dispensation, as we'll pick up next week, we are living in a terrible time of mixture. Mixture in the kingdom, then final separation. Parables 2 and parables 7, two branches of the same. Then when we come to parables 4 and 5, both these parables teach the same lesson. Parable 4 teaches about the mustard seed. Uh, wait a bit, no, parable 4. Yes, parable 4 teaches about the mustard seed and parable 5 teaches about the leaven. I think I've got that right. That. Oh, three, three is the mustard seed, is it? Okay. Correction there. Uh, parables three and four, it'll be. Is that right? Uh, the, the parables I'm after is the parable of the, uh, the mustard seed and then the parable of the leaven. That's three and four. Okay, so just correct your notes there. I'll have to correct my notes on this. Parables three and four. Right. Parables three and four. Yes, that's right. Okay, so the main lesson of those, the parable of the Mustard seed is the external growth of the kingdom and the parable of the leaven is the internal growth of the kingdom. One's external, one's internal. So parables 3 and 4 teach the growth, formation and development of the kingdom. External and internal. So I'll say that again. Parables 3 and 4 present the growth formation and development of the kingdom externally and internally. We'll explain that when we get into the parables themselves. And then parables 5 and 6 both deal with the priceless value and the cost of the kingdom. Because parable 5 is the man looking for the treasure hid in the field and he sold all that he had to get the field and the treasure and parable 6 is the man looking for the pearl of great price. He sold all he had to get the pearl of great price. So parable 5 and 6 both teach the priceless value and the cost of the kingdom. All right, so parable 1, parable 2 and, and 7, and then parable 3 and 4, and parable 5 and 6. Two branches of the same, two branches of the same, two branches of the same. Okay, so just correct uh, some of my earlier statements on 
on the, on the parable numbers there. Okay, did everybody basically get the gist of that? Hands up if you didn't. All right. Yes, repeat the last one. Okay, so the uh, two branches of the same parables, five and six, dealing with the man uh, paying the cost for the treasure hid in the field and the man who buys the goodly pearls, the pearl of great price, sold all he had and bought it. Both deal with the priceless value and cost of the kingdom. So they both teach the same lesson using different parables here. All right, so the first parable is the shaft. Parable 2 and 7, the mixture in the kingdom and final separation. Parable 3 and 4, the external and internal development of the kingdom. And parable 5 and 6, the costless or the priceless value and cost of the kingdom. One other point I'll mention there. Five of the parables pertain to the earth. Two of the parables pertain to the sea. So five of the parables pertain to earth and two of the parables pertain to the sea. Fish and pearls. The rest pertain to the earth. Okay, so much for our sort of introduction and the main lessons in the parable. Now what I want you to do as we look at this first parable here tonight, I want to put on the overhead or on the board here the parts of the parable that we need to look at and we'll use a little bit of alliteration here. So first of all, and remember, I'm just doing what Jesus did. I believe Jesus was the perfect hermeneutician. How many believe that? All six of us. How many believe Jesus was the perfect hermeneutician? And he was the one that took the parts of the parables and, uh, and broke them up and said, the seed is this, the sower is this, the birds are this, and so forth. He breaks up the parts of the parable. He just doesn't give one major lesson out. And that's why I can't figure out some of those hermeneuticians who don't follow Jesus. So the first thing we have to look at here is the sower. We're going to put this all on the board first of all, the sower. And then number two, the second thing we have to look at is the seed. I'd like you to put your diagram this way and leave a little bit of uh, room for comments. And then after that we have the hearers, the particular types of hearers. And the next thing we have is the soil. So for a little bit of alliteration here, we have the sower, the seed, the soil, the three S's. Now, in the soil, we have four types of ground that are mentioned here that we need to look at. And remember, Jesus takes up each of the points of the parable. He takes up the sower, takes up the seed, he takes up the hearers, he takes up the four types of soil. All right, the first type of soil we have that we have to look at is the wayside, the wayside ground, and the conditions there. Then number two, the second type of ground we have to look at is what Jesus referred to as the stony ground. And we have the conditions here in the stony ground. And then number three, the third type of soil we have is the thorny ground. And the conditions on the thorny ground. Then when we come to the fourth type of soil, and remember four is the number of earth, when we come to the uh, fourth type of soil here, we, this is spoken of as the good ground. 
And we have the conditions here, but Jesus breaks this up into a, a threefoldness that's referred to as, um, let's just put the square around here, breaks this up into a threefoldness here, 30, 60, 100-fold. So in the good ground, breaks it up into degrees of fruitfulness here, 30, 60, 100-fold, which we want to look at. All right, so they are the parts of the parable that we need to consider together. Now, what I recommend that you do on your notes is, is what Jesus does. In verses 3 to 9 in Matthew 13, we have the parable and the symbols in the parable. We cannot interpret the parable, in other words, hermeneutically, we can't interpret the parabolic principle without using the symbolic principle. So in the parable, there are certain symbols. Then in verses... Uh, 18 through to 23, verses 18 through to 23, we have the interpretation of the parable by Jesus. So the parable is interpreted. So we're pretty safe on this. There are some parables that Jesus doesn't interpret, but uh, this one he does. All right, so let's go back to Matthew 13, and uh, we'll pick up uh, what Jesus is saying here. Matthew chapter 13. All right, the first part we look at now is the sower. Now, you'll notice in verse 18, he therefore the parable of the sower. He says, when anyone heareth the, wor uh, heareth the word of the kingdom. Now, Jesus doesn't spe uh, specifically interpret the sower in this first parable. In the second parable, go down to verse 37. We'll pick this up uh, next week, of course. In verse 37, he says, He answered and said unto them, He that sowed the good seed is the son of man. Alright, so in parable 2, the sower is interpreted as the son of man. The, uh, the sower there, that's in the second parable. Now, in the first parable, I want to liken the sower to several uh, different uh, people here. I'd like to liken the sower to the Lord Jesus himself, sowing the word, he is the word, sowing the word, so he is the word. And also I'd like to like, uh, liken the sower to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit also speaks the word. To anybody who sows the word, the seed of the word, all preachers, teachers, witnesses, anybody who witnesses for the Lord is sowing the word. Why don't you put down... 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, just as one scripture that would illustrate this point, you needn't turn to it, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 to 9, where Paul says, uh, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but, that God, uh, but God that gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his only ward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry or tillage. And so Paul says, I have planted. So I like to liken the sower to anybody. The Lord Jesus Christ is sowing the seed of the word, or the Holy Spirit is sowing the seed of the word in people's hearts, or any uh, preacher, teacher, uh, witness, any Christian who is sowing the seed of the word. And you'll notice here, not harvest time. Later on in another parable, we're going to pick up harvest time. Harvest is the end of the age, but this is sowing. This is the beginning. In fact, 
uh, if we can get into these things, you'll find that the parable of the sower actually is the, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Parable 1 is seen in the, go- the sowing of the seed in the Gospels. Parable 2, mixture in the kingdom, is seen in the book of Acts. And you'll see the rest of the parables unfolding through church history. But this is preeminently the Gospels. The beginning of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. All right, so the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and all who speak the word of witness for Christ are likened to the sowers. All right, number two here, the seed. We have no mistake on the interpretation of the symbol now. Put down Luke chapter 8, and uh, I think it's Luke 8. Jesus specifically says when Luke takes up uh, this parable, Jesus said, the seed is the word. Yes, uh, Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Uh, what you really need to do is sort of read Matthew, Mark and Luke and uh, compare what each of them say. So this is the word of God, it's the word of the kingdom. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, or the seed is the word, the word of God, Jesus said using Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, the seed is the word. Now, as we look at the, 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 the word seed here, it's interesting that the word seed here is logos. So it's the logos, the living word, or the written word. The logos, the seed. Not the, it's not the word rima here. And uh, as we look at the word, put down some of these scriptures here because I see that time is moving pretty fast here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Now remember what I said at the beginning, we're receiving the seed, receiving the seed. Please take uh, this uh, reverently. Uh, when, when there's a relationship between the husband and the wife, the husband uh, receive, the, the, the wife receives seed from the husband. There's not always fruitfulness. The wife can receive seed, but not, not conceive, not have any fruitfulness. In the same way, we can receive seed, much seed of the word meeting after meeting, and yet nothing conceived in our heart, nothing is brought to fruitfulness. What happens to that seed? It just dies. How much seed of the word do we receive and it just dies, never brings forth fruit in our life? So the whole thought of receiving seed. So 1 Peter 1.23 says that we are born again of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. 1 John 3, verse 9, it speaks about that uh, we are begotten of the seed. Uh, He that is born of God cannot sin because his seed, and the word seed in that case is sperm, the divine seed, the divine sperm remains in in us, and we cannot sin because we're, we're born of God. And the thing is, as we look at this, saints, and it's always a challenging thing to me, there is nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the seed. The seed has all the potential in it. In fact, let me give you four words about the seed of the Word of God. The seed, it's a perfect seed. How many believe that? It's an incorruptible seed. It's a sinless seed. It's an immortal seed. And uh, if you meditate on those thoughts too long, they can be frightening because when we're born again of the incorruptible seed, within each of us tonight, we have perfection. Are you born of the incorruptible seed of God? So within this imperfection is perfection. Within this mortal 
is immortality. Within this sinful is sinlessness. Within this corruptible is incorruption. Do you believe that? that? That's in the seed. I'm not saying it's in us, in ourselves, but it's in the seed because the seed is the word of God. And that seed is to bring us to perfection. It's to bring us to sinlessness. It's to bring us to incorruption. There's going to come a time when a generation is going to experience the fullness of what I'm implying tonight because there comes a time when this mortal will put on immortality and this corruption will put on incorruption and this imperfection will put on perfection and this sinful will put on sinlessness. Now, whether you believe it's on the way up because every Christian has faith that God can do it on the way up in the rapture because all power is given unto him in, in heaven and in the air, but not on earth. So it can happen on the way up. Every Christian believes that, but not too many have faith for anything happening on the late planet earth. <laughs> is that right? So all the potential is in the seed. There's nothing wrong with that seed. It's an incorruptible word, the seed of God. All right, number three, uh, the, the hearers now. I think I've done enough on the hearers, but you can just uh, uh, remind yourself of what we did on our first night there, having ears to hear, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. That whole message will fit on um, yeah, the different type of hearers. All right, number four now, we deal with the seed, or the, the soil, pardon me, the various types of ground and soil. And the words I want you to pick up here, the soil or the, the wayside ground, the ground, the soil is the heart. It's a heart condition as Jesus uh, plainly says uh, in verse 19, catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. It's a heart condition. Verse 23, he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word. So dealing with the heart, the heart condition. So the, the soil is the heart and it depends on uh, four little R's I've got here, the hearts of the hearers. What's their reaction, receptivity, response, and results of the word. Four hours I had there. So how they react to the word, how they receive the word, what's their response to the word, and what's the results of the word. So reaction, receptivity, response, and results of hearing the word. All right, now let's look at uh, number one here, the wayside ground. I remember being in New Zealand a number of years ago, uh, where there was a, a chapel called the Wayside Chapel. I said, well, if ever I do have a church, I'm never going to call it the Wayside Chapel because the birds got that. <laughs> so it's not a very good name, is it, eh? Uh, so the Wayside Chapel, uh, pardon me, the Wayside Ground here. Um, the, the point here is the Wayside, what happened in the Wayside? The man, now you'll notice all of them heard the word, so this point of hearing the word... Heard the word, heard the word, heard the word, heard the word here. All of them heard the word, but we have our different reactions, response, and receptivity and results. So, verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and here's the problem with the wayside here, he understood it not. That's the whole problem there. He understood it not. In other words, the seed fell on the ground, but it didn't fall into the ground. Okay, so the word of the kingdom fell on the ground, but it didn't fall into the ground. So they understood or not. Unbroken ground, hard hearts, unresponsive, unreceptive, because what happened to the seed here? The wicked one, and Jesus interprets the birds as the wicked one, evil spirits, the devil himself. 
he came away and t- took away that which was sown in the heart, in his heart here. So no, no, uh, the seed didn't get in. So catching away the seed. And uh, when Luke puts it, when Luke puts it, he puts it that the uh, the enemy caught away the seed sown lest they should believe and be saved. So this guy wasn't even saved. And so the, uh, the, the wicked one caught away the seed that was sown, didn't really get into the heart properly. And uh, it says, Luke's Gospel says, caught away the seed lest they should believe and be saved. So the birds of doubt, unbelief, criticism, prejudice and so forth. Uh, put down Revelation chapter 18 verses 1 to 2. Revelation 18, 1 to 2. Because the book of Revelation refers to uh, birds there as unclean spirits. Listen to it, I'll just quote it only because of time. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. May I say say tonight and later on, there are birds in the first parable, there are birds in the second parable, there are birds that get into the mustard tree, they sow dirty old birds. Buzzing around. When you get back to the law in Leviticus about clean birds and unclean birds, but the seeds are all in this first parable, it's, it's, the, it's the beginning of the parable. So these birds catch away the seed that was sown in the heart. Alright, number two, stony ground. Stony ground, and Jesus is very clear here, he that received the seed into stony places, same as he that hears the word, and a non, a non with joy receiveth it. And I've had these, I remember years ago when I was pastoring a church in Bendigo, a guy came to the meeting, and we opened up the meeting for testimony, he got up and jumped up and said, oh, this is a wonderful church, I've been looking for a church like this all my life, I'm really excited about this church. Never saw him again. <laughs> he came twice to the meetings, first and last time. With joy he received the word, and like uh, Noah's raven, he returned not to the ark. And you have people come to way, oh, this is a wonderful church. I've been looking for this all my life. I never see him since. No, no root. Shallowness. Here's the points you can pick up here. No depth, no root. Shallowness, surface experience. An emotional response. With joy he receives the word. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, or you go to one of your Christian fellowship. They're very emotional there. They dance. They all this chanting, praises. They're pretty noisy, the music. And they preach for an hour. <laughs> Thank you. Tribulation arises because of the word. What, what's the result? By and by he is offended. So he lasts for a little while, but never comes into commitment. <laughs> That's just application. Put down Psalm 119, verse 165. Interesting verse here. We're looking at, uh, at the thought of offense. Great peace of they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Okay, but this guy, oh yeah, this is great. It's wonderful. But then pressure comes. Tribulation means pressure. Persecution arises because of the word. You don't believe that, do you? Look at the strange things they believe in. They believe in a perfect church. Hmm. By and by he's offended. But grace, peace of they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119, verse 165. Moving on quickly, number three. Thorny ground. I want to give you four thorns on this one. 
And the tragedy of this parable is it happens in every meeting, the thorny ground, and putting together Matthew, Mark, Luke, and uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, listen to the four major thorns that Jesus gives in the, in the parable here. Because it says, He that receives seeds among the thorns is he that hears the word. So they're all hearing the word, uh, and, but the care of this world. So let me say four thorns. Number one, the cares of this life. These are the thorns that choke the word. So the word has taken root and it's struggling to grow and break through, but the thorns keep choking the word. And, and, and this, this, this parable to me answers so much why some Christians just seem to come on in the Lord and others struggle week from week and month after month and year by year because they think, what's, I wonder why that person's not growing. They're at the meeting, but something's choking the word. So they come to the meetings on Sunday or action night, but then during the week, uh, the same water that brings up the seed is the same water that brings up the thorns. And that's why the, the book of Proverbs says, I went by the field of the slothful and it was all covered over with thorns and thistles. And we have to continually watch the thorns in our hearts. So number one, the cares of this life. Just the whole business of living can choke the word. Number two, another thorn, group of thorns, deceitfulness of riches. This is Matthew. So cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches. Number three, the lusts of other things, just other things. Materialism could be 101 things, but the lusts of other things. And then number four in Luke, he says the pleasures of this life. So four major things there that are mentioned. The cares of this life, number one. Deceitfulness of riches, that extra dollar that we've got to make in this society. And number three, the lusts of other things. And you can put a whole list of lusts under those things. And number four, the pleasures of this life. Worldly pleasures and these things that choke the word, choke the word. Put down Proverbs 24 and verses 30 to 34. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. And that's the uh, thing I just referred to where the field of the slothful and he'd allowed it to grow over with thorns. How many know that when you, you want to keep a good garden, you've got to constantly be at it? You've constantly got to be at it. Put down this last scripture, and looks like my time is up. I'm sorry, I really meant to finish this tonight. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 6 as we finish here. And I'll pick up this uh, fourth one next week because I want to spend a bit of time on this 30, 60, 100 fold here. And what I believe is some significance there. All right, Hebrews chapter 6, just on the area of the thorns as we finish here. Uh, verse uh, 7, it's just been preceded by the falling away. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So the same rain that brings up herbs in verse 7, brings up thorns and briars in verse 8. But Paul, or whoever writes it, says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, even though I'm sort of speaking like this. So all of us have to watch our hearts, watch, it, watch the dirty birds that would pick up the seed, watch against uh, shallowness of experience, emotional response, watch against the thorns that continually see, uh, seek to choke the word, uh, and, and stop us becoming fruitful. We'll pick up this area next week on what is really good ground 
and uh, what the other Gospels say about that. Have you understood these things tonight? Everybody said Amen. Let's all stand. I'd like to encourage you to read Matthew chapter 13 again, particularly the parable of the wheat and tares. We'll see how we go on this. I'm trying to cover a parable a night, but there's just so much uh, material here that I have a bit of difficulty condensing some of the stuff. Father, we just uh, pray that you'll take the word that we've shared tonight. We pray, Lord, that each of us will uh, guard our hearts. He said, Lord, that uh, we are to guard our hearts and keep our hearts with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Lord, we see there are so many dirty birds around, Lord, and so much stony ground, so many thorns that continually seek to grow that would choke the word in our life. We thank you for your word, Lord, that is a perfect word, an incorruptible seed that's within us, and Christ in us, the hope of glory. Pray, Lord, that you'll continue to enlarge our understanding and uh, enlarge our spiritual ability to understand as we continue to share on the parables of the kingdom. We ask in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.